Hello and welcome to this week's Property Matters, the show that brings global trends to an Irish audience to shape your knowledge of the property industry. You can contact us on Twitter at iPropertyRadio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. Your host for today is myself, Carol Tallon, as Brian Fox is enjoying a well-deserved break. So, moving straight to the headlines, one of the big mortgage stories of the week is that the equity release is back on for older homeowners and this comes on foot of the tweaked central bank rules to allow equity releases for older homeowners. Um, Also, after a buoyant few weeks of planning approvals within the capital, there have been a number of significant refusals. So, um, social housing units planned for Knockline United have been scrapped. Plans for over 250 homes on Hollystown Golf Club lands in North Dublin have been rejected as a, quote, substandard form of development. Also, on board Planola rejects fast-track planning for 3,770 new homes. Um, Nationwide, it's a slightly different story. Developers revealed the plans for Ireland's largest, um, large or well, tallest building at the Port of Cork site, and it will be twice the height of the Elysian Tower. Uh, construction begins on Galway's uh, Bonham Quay, which is the most substantial construction project to happen within uh, that quarter in Galway for uh, more than a decade, valued at about 105 million. Also, co-living remains in the news. Um, in fact, most recently, Bartra have been told that they may need to shave up, uh, shave off up to 20 beds from their Dunleary scheme in order to comply with onboard Planola rules. And finally, one of the lead stories at the weekend reported that nine out of 10 homes failed the rental standards. So that referred to 16,441 homes within the rent pressure zones that were randomly inspected by the local authorities. 90.3% failed to meet the minimum housing requirements. So in fact, that leads us very nicely to introduce our first guest in studio, who is Damien Brennan, CEO and founder of Wikibuild. Damien, you're very welcome. Does that story surprise you? 90.3% of homes within the rent pressure zones failed to meet minimum housing standards. It actually doesn't. Uh, on a, uh, in my previous life as a, as a surveyor in building defects, uh, we spent a lot of our time dealing with defects in uh, multi-use developments, mm-hmm. apartment buildings around the city. And unfortunately, we, we were always the, the bearer of, of bad news. And it was just how bad that news um, would be uh, dependent on, on the development the age of the, ve- of the development and who actually constructed it. When you talk about the age of the development, are you talking about older developments or do you mean kind of new falling into the shoddy build? Yeah, it was, it was predominantly um, boom-time boom developments. Um, it was it was um, properties that would, would have been developed by developers with in-house uh, certifiers that were mm-hmm. signing off on the structural elements and the architectural elements uh, in-house. So it was um, the developer being the judge and jury. Okay. Um, Is it fair to say that actually it was your experience around that time that led to the creation of Wikibuild? It was, absolutely. It was, you know, we never got any enjoyment out of delivering bad news. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you're, when you're sitting in front of 80 people uh, at a time and and their, their negative equity and you're explaining to them how bad things are and uh, letting, even though you're in negative equity and you're struggling to pay your, your normal fees, um, we now have to spend the guts of a million euro to, to put your property right. And I presume these were schemes that certainly didn't have the sinking funds there. Correct. Yeah, correct. But also it was, it was um, 
it was it was just general homeowners that were getting screwed over mm-hmm. um and you know getting poor workmanship done wrong materials used um i think i said it before in the last uh, the last cast we had here was i i we don't actually believe that the industry is is chalked with uh, cowboys um it, we believe that it's, it's actually lack of education. Mm-hmm. It's lack of knowledge of what materials to use in a certain type of building. Um, so I suppose that's where we, we are there. And uh, there's, all, there's also a lack of accountability within the, the, the construction industry. So yeah. I suppose that's what led us to establish WikiBuild, was mm-hmm. to educate uh, the industry and educate homeowners on what to do and what not to do. Okay, well, obviously you've been in here before and you've spoken to us about Wikibuild, but for any new listeners here, you might just explain very briefly what Wikibuild is. So Wikibuild is a free information uh, platform for advice and guidance within the domestic construction industry. So regardless whether you're buying or selling, uh, whether you're extending uh, or renovating a property of any age or of any type, we'll have the... We're basically there for you to give you free, impartial advice. With we have no vested interest in 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 selling you a particular product or a service. We're, we're basically we're there to to help you and guide you through the through that. Uh, sometimes very okay. very uh, scary process Okay thank you and look as you know I'm a huge proponent and fan of PropTech uh, yep. you know um, we try to we try to showcase where it's being used well and innovations for the planning construction Absolutely. property industries but I'm I'm always intrigued by the business model element purely because um, PropTech is so new and we know that the industry traditionally has been slow to embrace, although I would say that actually the construction industry has really stepped up its game in terms of this at the moment. Yeah. But um, And I hope I'm not putting you on the spot now, but I, you know, really just to find out the last time you were here, you know, we showcased you as a PropTech startup. Yes. So can you tell us, you know, where is Wikibuild at? right now and and what kind of progress have you made over the past few months so we've we've essentially built the platform uh, and we're currently compiling all the articles of advice and guidance uh, for every for as as a base base quantity of articles so you're talking thousands of articles and do you have contributors into that we do have we have a number of architects engineers and uh, manufacturers contributing at the minute but look we we could always do it more. Like uh, it's there's a lot of a lot of lot of guys blogging on their own websites, mm-hmm. uh, but that is to a very limited audience, if if any. Yeah. We we would very much like to um, sort of recycle those those uh, blogs of 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 advice and guidance mm-hmm. that they've already compiled, and uh, put it up on onto Wikibill to to a much lar- larger audience. To essentially become a central, a source central of, source of knowledge. It's an open source of, uh, okay. of, of of information. So, in terms of the development, if you've built that out, where where are you in terms of fundraising? Can can you answer that? Yeah. Well, uh, will you answer that? We're <laughs> <laughs> we're 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 currently self funded at the minute. So, I suppose. Um, did you get w- Enterprise Ireland supports? Or we state didn't. Support? No. Did you look? Well, we did. We we've had that conversation. There's a lot of form filling, isn't there? <laughs> we yeah. I suppose we we went down that route for, and we spent six months going down that road. Mm-hmm. And I suppose we 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 ended up uh, 
getting the getting the response that it as well, it needs to prove itself. Mm-hmm. It needs to prove its uh, the model needs to prove itself, and the the stated that it it needed more somewhat more innovation. All, all I suppose we went too early. We went with a pitch deck rather than a platform. Yeah, well, no, I look, and, I, and probably because you've seen many businesses go through funding Correct. based on a pitch deck and not a platform. Yeah. I mean, look, it's a, it's a constant, it's a constant source of frustration yes. um, across the project, uh, actually across the startup ecosystem. Full so. stop. So, in terms of driving further innovation. Is that where is that where Build Chat came out so, of? So yeah, so Build Chat actually came out of when when we were when we got talking to the industry um, when we were building WikiBuild, we actually we realised that the the domestic construction industry don't communicate. Architects, engineers don't talk to trades, services, builders, and and likewise, there is they, a huge disconnect there, isn't there? Huge, yeah, the, yeah. The, like the, 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 they don't see. I suppose the domestic construction industry don't particularly use uh, the likes of LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Uh, they see that as a more commercial uh, market, and being being on LinkedIn for many years, I think it is more commercially based. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a number of, of guys doing doing domestic work, but predominantly it's, it's commercial. So we ended up. Uh, we thought, well, maybe, maybe we like we're we're really here to try and innovate and change the domestic construction industry, for the industry themselves and for can homeowners. I, can I just clarify then? Do you mean uh, maybe smaller contractors or developers? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's trade services. Uh, it's yeah. uh, you know carpenters, plumbers. Mm-hmm. Architects, engineers, everyone within the domestic construction industry. Okay. So we 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 really want to to innovate that and bring you know just change it up. Uh, Maybe explain what Build Chat is. So Build Chat is it's a, it's a mini LinkedIn or is it, it's it's a mini or is uh, it more like Facebook for uh, builders? Yeah. <laughs> look, we have yet to we have to see what it, what it'll actually it'll become. Okay. It could be guys just posting, uh, you know, funny videos, and I'm not sure. But we're posting it. We're we're launching it with the view that it's a marketplace for for the, the the specifiers and for the trades and services to actually communicate through each other and to network with each other. So it is a social network. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Okay, and so is that kind of mobile first? Is it an app? It's it's going to be it's going to be desk desktop first and with an app to to follow later on. Okay, yeah. and so I suppose how is that going to work? Do people subscribe? Do they pay to sign up? No, it's uh, we, we felt that it was that it was needed, and we and I suppose we initially thought that it was an, it was going to be an easy build. When mm-hmm. uh, I <coughs> six months into it, realised that the build is not quite so easy. I think that's called the founder's dilemma. <laughs> I think so. I think so. I think it should be called the founder's denial. <laughs> <laughs> but look, we 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 were so far down the rabbit hole. We said, look, we 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 need to do it. We 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 felt and we still feel that uh, the the industry needs it. Um, so it's 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 essentially a free model. Apologies. Damien, that's the black mark for a guest yeah. coming coming on and the phone goes off. By Sorry. the way, folks, that's how you know we're going out live. Yeah. <laughs> so in terms of Build Chat, why, why would a builder, actually I'm saying builder, sorry, why would any of the trades, anybody involved in the industry, um, why would they go on to it? Uh, I, I suppose to, to network. 
to network to to let the industry know what what their services are, what their trades are, what their specialities are, and to showcase uh, the work that they carried out with the view that um, like specifiers are full time looking for for new trades and services and suppliers for for all the projects. And when I say yeah. specifiers, I mean architects, engineers surveyors project managers yeah and, and look we know that there's um certainly a skills shortage out there at the Absolutely. moment so I, I, my reading of the situation would be that um the many people involved in these trades if they're good at their job chances are they're not going out looking for business chances are they have a full pipeline of business and they really get to pick and choose yeah so who benefits from this um well, I, I think any anyone anyone that is using LinkedIn to 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 the best of their ability, it's again they're they're peacocking in a way. They're showing off what they can do and what what uh, how they differ from mm-hmm. the existing uh, the existing trades and services out there. Well, um, obviously, with Property District, our job is to help people peacock. Yeah. So we find LinkedIn amazing. Absolutely. But no, I, and, and I'm not this and I, yeah. I, you no, know, but I, 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 I take your point. Um, I take your point. There has to be a better way. And um, it has come to our attention in ter- that, that breakdown of communications. It's just not happening. And I think that what happens then, and this is particularly evident from the innovation and the prop tech side of it, what we see is that. Uh, it's difficult to get crossover. Um, so to get into these organisations or particularly in trades because um, there are a number of different organisations and I'm not sure how well they communicate with their own members and how well they communicate with each other. Correct. So um, there, there is a disconnect there and I hope that that's being improved in terms of coming together for training and different opportunities. Yes. But I can see why you've identified this as a problem. I suppose one of the things one of the things that I have noticed in terms of um, and look it's too general to say the trades but um, there are definitely some sectors that are slower to embrace new technologies new changes um, different ways of doing things and by the way that spans across the planning construction and property sectors all elements but how are you going to let people know that um, Bill's Chat exists and how are you going to encourage them onto it? Well, as, I suppose it's it's a free it's a free model. Uh, it's a, for, for the guys to sign up. Uh, we will be doing a, a marketing campaign throughout the trades. Uh, we'll be partnering with all the uh, regulatory bodies mm-hmm. um, to get their members on on board. So that's mm-hmm. uh, I suppose they can uh, they can network with you know uh, with employers and and, and potential uh, project managers out there that that they may not know. Uh, you know, the main the may not be have int- been introduced to before or not. Okay, on a personal level, I have to ask you why. What drives you to innovate? Say for Build Chat, while you're still in the midst of innovating for Wiki Build, and you know what's what's driving this for you personally? It's 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 very much. Um, the want the want to change the industry. I've I've seen too, I suppose on the domestic front, I've seen too many people, as in homeowners, getting screwed over, um, paying out a lot of money. Um, it's it's sometimes it's the biggest decision, it's the biggest move that they're going to make mm-hmm. uh, in in their lifetime. And again, I've seen marriages break up. I've seen you know relationships break down because of this. Um, 
but I've also seen the likes of trades and services, um, you know, plumbers, um, electricians and that there get screwed over by builders. Uh, 5,000 in, in a commercial project is nothing. Mm-hmm. 5,000 uh, to a plumber or electrician or carpenter is massive. Or even for, even to a main contractor in, in a domestic setup is massive. Mm-hmm. Uh, likewise, it's, it's massive for, for a homeowner. If, if the so do you think that better communication, better network building will eliminate that? I, I, th- I think the, I think it, it sort of flows back over to the to the wiki build model where we have like a, a trip advisor um, accountability for the for the members of, of wiki build. So it's, it's, the, it's that that establishes accountability uh, within the domestic industry. Yeah, the wiki build. Yeah. And actually, I think that uh, TripAdvisor culture and, you know, or, or the trust pilot, you know, that's so important in terms of payments in this sector. Huge. And we know that that's something that's um, it's something that has always been a problem, you know, whether in good times and in bad, it's yeah. always been a problem. And even in good times, it, it didn't seem to improve. No. Why is that? I, do, I don't know, and I, and I think that there has been a number of, of ventures that have gone out with the view to to, to change that, to, to have like a, a rated system yeah. and to, to have a, a trust yeah. system implemented. I think where, where they failed, well, they're not failing, they're making a lot of money, but they have a vested interest in actually getting work. They're lead generators, mm-hmm. or it's a race to the bottom. It's the cheapest man gets the job, mm-hmm. which in, in in my mind, it's that is so wrong. But is for, that for, not for everyone involved, for the homeowner, yeah. and even for the trade that ends up getting the gig. But it, is that not going to become more of an issue? Because we know, like we reported last week, that um, construction activity is in decline, and that's not an Irish trend that's a global trend mm. but now we know the statistics bear this out um, that the the activity is slowing down in Ireland so I mean surely this is a problem that's going to get worse as in the we know we're on the downward yeah we're, we're um, certainly at the downward stage of this cycle and while the effects of that might not impact um, the real estate sector for another six, nine, twelve months. Yeah, there those effects are already being felt in the construction industry, and in fact, it's something we've talked about here a lot. Mm-hmm. And it, not all of the guests that sit in that chair agree with me when I say it, but we know from working with members of the planning construction and property industry, we we could see it last January that uh, payment days had had increased. Um, Issues were starting to come up. Yeah, you know, so we could see all those all those warning signs flags, yeah. absolutely were appearing in January, February, March. So, um, so that's why I think that if we haven't rectified this problem of payments um, to trades within the industry, if we haven't done it over the last five, six, seven years when they were so hotly in demand, yes, I think that's only going to get worse now. Can technology pull that back? I, th- I think so. I, I think I think the, if there's um, if there's transparency uh, mm-hmm. and if if people know that p- payments have always been a problem and unfortunately, uh, particularly going back to the domestic sector, where, where we hope to innovate or bring some sort of technology into the fold in the next in the next year or so, is that um, homeowners are relying on 
contractors to manage huge chunks of money mm-hmm. and a lot of the times the, 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 the contractors aren't educated enough to manage that amount of money so mm-hmm. and they're not normally known to to manage paperwork or 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 time. Well, every week, every week we showcase new technologies that can help with that. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, um, Damien, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, you can you can get in to sign up for Billchat. You, it's uh, billchat.net and there's, uh, we're going to be launching that. We're currently going through the final snagging stages of that, so that, that's going to be launched now in the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can sign up to that and we'll get back to you when, when it's at launch. You can... Um, you can see uh, we're on Twitter, wikibuild.com, uh, and uh, Facebook is, is uh, Wikibuild as well. That's always the way to go. Okay, yeah. thank you so much. That was Damien Brennan, CEO and founder of Wikibuild. Thank you for coming in to talk to us today, Damien. And Thanks, stay Aaron. tuned after the break, and we'll have Aaron O'Grady. Your community radio for South Dublin. This is Dublin South FM. Okay, and welcome back to Property Matters here in Dublin South FM with myself, Carol Tallon. You can contact us on Twitter at iPropertyRadio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. As mentioned before the break, um, in studio with us now, we have Aaron O'Grady, founder of Vision Creative Studios. Uh, we're delighted to have you here, Aaron. Thank you very much for having me. So, um, actually, you have one of the greatest challenges that any of the guests that have been with us over the last six months has had, and that is... You are the founder of a studio that is so visually stunning. I don't know how we're going to be able to communicate that on radio. So tell us a little bit about Vision Creative. So um, Vision Creative Studios is, um, I suppose it's 25 years of experience um, coming together over the past number of years of six different companies. And they all collaborate together to offer architects, designers, um, facility manager, construction people, offerings and everything from residential to hospitality to commercial. So obviously you've been to the studio and it's uh, been described by many design teams separately as a Willy Wonka chocolate factory <laughs> for designers. It so, really is. It, yeah. it really is. And I can remember my on my visit out um, when I heard I was having a tour, I didn't expect it to be what it was as in every behind every door was a new experience and so absolutely the Willy Wonka factory there is actually quite apt um, but you mentioned there that it's a, a collaboration of six companies but there's six very big well-known brands so you might just kind of talk us through the brands there yeah so the the main company um, Vision Branding um, which is where uh, a lot of the contacts and a lot of the other companies um, evolve from it's been basically working with architects uh, and interior designers to create visual communications for the likes of Google, Facebook, PayPal, MasterCard, and a lot of the big FDI companies that come in here, as well as other companies like the Guinness Storehouse and um, other type of retail companies. And what we do basically is we will work with the design teams to do all of the branding design. Sometimes we're actually implementing design. Um, and because of our experience in production, we actually will produce everything and install it. So it just makes the whole process much easier. So this company has uh, has had a lot of success um, both here and with projects abroad internationally. And uh, from that then, all of the relationships with the architects and designers and contractors, the other companies then started to uh, to to develop. Mm-hmm. And you know, when we talk about products, it's not really giving 
listeners um, a taste of what's happened. So uh, what's going on behind the doors of your studio? So tell us a little bit about some of those products, like, you know, in particular, you know, maybe some of the printing facilities that you have, because yeah. there's quite a unique setup. Yeah. So what we've done is it's not a showroom. It, it, you know, initially, when you're looking, it's like, you know, there's, there's a lot of product everywhere over three floors. Like, it's quite big. It's 30,000 square foot. So it's not a showroom because while it does have product there, you actually have glass atrium all the way around where people are actually individually working, making things. So mm-hmm. one of the other inspirations we had for the studio was the I lived in Italy for uh, many years and the Italian way of doing things back back in the day, back in the kind of, you know, the old bodegas where you could actually go and see the craftspeople work. So one of my ideas was that you can actually, the design teams and and people visiting could see people making things. So, for instance, we have a 3D surface printing machine that can basically print, recreate any surface on any type of material. Um, We print acoustics, we print fabrics, we print glass, steel, wood, and you can actually see that happening live as you're walking around looking at the Scavellini kitchen. So it's uh, it's kind of like an experience. And you have an artist in residence. Yeah, we or an have. an artist in residence. That's right, yeah. So we have um, across the company uh, 50 people um, with 11 nationalities, 12 who are of whom are Italian. And uh, one of the girls, Manuela Greco, she's uh, our in-house uh, artist yeah, in residence. And, you know, if you want to have a creative studio, you need to have uh, pure creativity, which art is, um, because... She, you know, will then work across a lot of the different companies and kind of um, help even when we're developing products because we actually, as well as bring in products, we actually develop products in the studio. Mm -hmm. So it's very much um, a simple philosophy of bringing in very talented people that have a very positive attitude and a nice structure and actually sharing ideas. Yeah, well, I can tell you that I come from, you know, a graduate background in law and then we've been working in property communications for you know a a decade and um, so the creative side you know and certainly the visually creative side would not be my wheelhouse at all and in fact when I went out to the studio some of the items that I remarked on um, your business development manager Amo you know pointed out that actually these were created in-house by your your artists and residents and I was blown away by that because I thought the works of art were so striking. Um, and these were really hung in very unassuming places around your studio that I didn't realise how strategic yeah. they were um, because they were things that actually drew my attention. So um, I, I think maybe to give listeners a taste of, again, the the kind of the type of product, uh, you know, obviously I was looking at images and prints and paintings and that was one thing but actually um, there's light you use lights to great effect yeah so for instance we have we were initially very commercially focused so it was for all of the tech companies I, I mentioned before and then architects started to ask us do you have anything for uh, residential and at the time we didn't but then we met Scavellini who was basically Italy's largest uh, designer kitchen company and um, they have a philosophy of basically customization and of design. So they work with a lot of designers like uh, Roberto Rossa from Diesel, and they actually design a kitchen that looks like the Diesel brand, right? So they have 38 models of I, I think you should clarify for people that you are, in fact, referring to the jeans yes, brand the Diesel. Yes, yeah, yeah, the clothing <laughs> brand. Because I don't think people would make that leap. Yeah, I know. It's such a bizarre kind of, you know, a bizarre, but that's, a, yeah. that's Italy. They, they have that kind of flair for design. They have a, an attention to detail and quality. 
and you would wonder why would people why would diesel associate with a kitchen and vice versa and it's because it's become you know people diesel maybe launched about 25 years ago and the people that initially would have maybe bought into diesel are now you know in their 40s buying kitchens I was about to say <laughs> absolutely because I can tell you I'm the wrong side of 40 and I can remember diesel becoming a brand that you wanted to wear out at the weekend and that probably is 25 years ago yeah, yeah. so I can I can see that um, there would almost be a nostalgia when you walk into that kitchen and you might not know why. Yeah, exactly. And it's like when you look at the very little details, you'll see things that like remind you of you know, like that kind of industrial chic yeah. style that Diesel has. So, But one of the great things about Scavellini that we liked is that they have 38 models with 750 finishes. So literally you could have whatever you want. And that's what the play, the studio is about, is basically giving designers or even you know retail customers whatever it is they're looking for so if you're working with property developers um do property developers tend to pick uh from from that huge variety or do they allow their end buyers to do that so typically uh property developers um their challenge is that they have to maybe they're doing say 100 homes their challenge is they have to uh, give a product that doesn't offend anybody so, therefore, it usually that's has to be quite... That's an awful way to I know, cast but, the design of a new home. <laughs> but, you know, but that's the reality. Because if they go for something that's a bit too edgy and a bit too out there, um, then there's some clients that won't like that. So they have to kind of be a li- quite very, safe. A, very safe, very conservative. Um, and I suppose where we come in, there are a big range of, you know, in Scavellini where you can go safe and conservative. Um, we're 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 lucky in the sense that also the price points of Scavellini is very, it's a big spectrum. So mm-hmm. that, the, it's been a great company to work with. And then we've brought in other companies from Italy that do Murano glass art lights at accessible prices. We've brought in companies that do uh, handmade sofas from Milan, but it's not crazy money. It would still be kind of bow concept type level. So we're trying to bring Italian design and style to Dublin and to Ireland that's mm-hmm. um, at a price that's accessible and to kind of shake up the market a little bit. Well, I, I can I can genuinely say that um, in terms of corporate fit out high end yeah. and personality driven corporate yeah. fit out, I haven't seen furnishings like you had. In fact, um, two of my own team members went out and did a studio tour there in, in the last week or two and several photographs were sent back to me of items to go on the wish list for <laughs> this year which actually wasn't helpful at all but yeah, yeah. but um, you know it, it, so there's uh, I, I, you're certainly stocking something that's quite unique and we know from say um, you know from the fit out sector we know that actually this is more of a priority you know people need um people need to to identify their spaces in terms of design you know we've seen some companies do it very well and you know obviously um iconic offices come to mind in that you know looking for a very distinctive finish uh that so that design actually has become a part of their brand um yeah. even though it's space it's yeah. office space um that they're selling design has bec- has really become a huge driving factor in that um, are you seeing that across a whole range of industries? Yeah, so um, what we've noticed recently, and um, there's very much a kind of push in the design, like that it's about the brand. Mm-hmm. So it's the brand has to be communicated all the way through, um, not just obviously individual communications and, you know, the culture of the company, but down to the colour of the chair legs, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but there's also... Um, 
quite a big trend towards a more kind of homey, cozy type feel in an office. We worked on a on a very uh, well known, prestigious, prestigious uh, UK bank recently um, that will be very conservative. And a lot of the uh, the design team, the Irish design team, came up with it was with a concept that you know you could almost be in a kind of you know somebody's sitting room. You know mm-hmm. some of the meeting rooms actually look that cozy. Um, and as I suppose, it's the third space now. It's to make people feel as comfortable in the office as they would be in their own home. So, well, you have to know because obviously, with um, remote working, with technology, for so many reasons, actually, people have other options about where to to carry out their work. Yeah. So actually, um, I have I have spoken to. I have spoken to employers like large international employers who say that actually, you know, their competition for for the staff, their competition is their staff working from home. And yeah. that really surprised me. I didn't understand it because I suppose I hadn't seen it from that perspective. But, you know, this is definitely something that, you know, offices want to encourage flexibility, but they want their staff there, and the, but they want to incentivize them. So the staff want to be there. And this is where I think great design as well as, you know, obviously um, better offerings in yeah. terms of, of the facilities and house comes in. But there's another piece that's that I think is the um, is the intangible tangible is how people feel when they walk into a place. So, you know, you can stick principles. So, for instance, from the vision branding side of things, you can stick principles up in the wall of what we believe in, blah, blah, blah. And the, but unless they're actually really authentic, then it's literally just that words on the wall. So yeah. I think there's also a lot of companies you get a sense of the culture that they have in the company and the mm-hmm. friendliness and what they stand for. And I think that's another thing. Obviously, you know, there's there's a big competition out there to, to bring in the talent. But the culture of a company is something you feel when you're in it, how to treat people, how people talk to each other. Um, just the general vibe. And, and that is something that you can feel and pick up. Um, and I think that's mm. a very important piece that it doesn't matter how nice your desk is or how fancy your office is if the culture is not right. So yeah. there's companies now that they're actually focusing as well on that culture piece of what they stand for and what they don't stand for. Yeah. You know, I'm really happy to hear you say that as opposed to somebody coming in, you know, selling the consultancy services of uh, managing corporate culture because I've been into the place that you've created for your staff and I've seen your staff work and I can, you're right, you can feel where a culture is working or not and I think, you know, so when we talk about this, I think it's great to hear a business owner acknowledge it but one that's actually walking the talk and I think that's very important. Um, So, I mean, Vision Vision was created back in 1996 but when did the studio come about? So the studio... um we took on the studio about two years ago, and we had a soft launch in November 2017, um, initially with, as I said before, the, all of the commercial offering. Um, and then we had a soft, oh, sorry, that was a soft launch. We had the main launch in, Nove- in November of uh, last year. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was a good success because um, we, we invited the design community. Obviously, not everybody can always come, but mm-hmm. um, quite a, lo- a lot of people came, and it kind of put us on the map. And now we've had a very steady flow of 
most of the main architects and designers. So, you know, at least we're on the, the radar now, we're on the map, and we're starting to get the... My idea was as well that we would, you would get the cross-over pollination of leads and of contacts and, and the is fact that... Is that happening? Yeah, no, that is actually genuinely happening, yeah. So, I mean, look, we have a lot of the big builders coming in at the minute, the, the, the developers looking, you know, they're pricing the, the kitchens or we're showing them or offering... And then we're then, you know, they're looking at their own offices to get all of the, the office furniture. So we're giving mm -hmm. quotes for that. And, you know, some of them are coming through. So, look, you just do your absolute best. You put forward. We're, we're trying to make as well all of our offering very accessible in the pricing, but not, you know, not um, the quality still quite high. And Italian yeah. products, it tends, to, they tend to be very designer led. They tend to be good quality. So mm -hmm. um, we're looking in that way because a lot of companies, in Italy, don't always focus on the export as much, or if they do, they don't. They bypass Ireland. Mm -hmm. So, with a lot of the contacts I had when I lived there, it's been quite easy to, uh, to you know, to get the distributorship or the agency for their products. So, and is that exclusive to you in Ireland? Uh, some of them is. So, Scavellini would be, for instance, mm -hmm. and and actually, you've mentioned um, Scavellini, which of course be a well-known name um, in the industry, but. We're we're in the studio here in Dundrum Town Centre, and in fact, recent visitors to Dundrum Town Centre, um, hopefully, will have noticed uh, that you've opened a pop up shop recently. Yeah, yeah, we took um, we took four thousand square foot, uh, which was the Starbucks and the Mao, mm -hmm. um, and we took that uh, for about four months. Um, so it's proved very well, uh, very good, because we've got a lot of visitors now coming to. Our studio, which is in uh, Ballymount beside Fashion City, which is not high street retail. Yeah, very so. good. And um, I, I would suggest that you maybe have prime placement for the time of year with the Summerfest that's happening out there, because actually um, I, I was looking and certainly while there's a lot happening in that open area, the, um, there's a lot happening which might actually maybe block some of the visuals yeah, around yeah. the area. What we are seeing, and in fact we did it ourselves this afternoon, there's, there's people genuinely sitting around in the space outside Dundrum Town Centre that they, you know, overlooking the fountain that's currently yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, undergoing work. But there's people sitting out enjoying the space in a way that maybe they hadn't done before so um, from that brand awareness you're obviously going to benefit from that so how how many months into the two two or four so month we've, program we've, are you? we've one month left so okay. um, yeah no it's proved very good we've probably tripled the visitors to our actual uh, studio thanks to the Dundrum yeah Okay, well, you know, that's an interesting one. And in fact, Aaron, we might just we might just chat to you again another time about that, because actually, um, you know, when we're looking across the planning construction property industries uh, and particularly with an eye on the technology that's innovating those, one of the areas that has been um, very difficult to use technology to revive has been retail. You mm. know, it, it, there's definitely a problem there. And in fact, pop up shops is one of the one of the saving features at the moment. So it's definitely an area that we're going to explore more. So perhaps we might have you in to talk about that and your experiences of the yeah. pop-up shop and how you found that. Um, so thank you so much. That was Aaron O'Grady, founder of Vision Creative Studios in Ballymount. Um, you might just give people your website there. It's so a, they know where to find you. It's vision-creativestudios.com. Super, thank you. So thank you for joining us today, Aaron. And please stay tuned after the break as we will have Craig Mulcahy, CEO of Construction Boss, joining us. 
Everything's fine on 93.9 Dublin South FM. Okay, and welcome back to Property Matters here on Dublin South FM with myself, Carol Tallon. As mentioned before the break, we've Greg, uh, Craig Mulcahy, CEO of Construction Boss, with us in studio right now. Um, so, Craig, you're very welcome. Thank, Thank you for you. joining us. So, talk to us. Tell us what is Construction Boss. So Construction Boss is a cloud-based CRM built specifically for the construction industry. So for anyone that doesn't know what a CRM is, it's a cloud relationship management system which helps you manage your pipeline and your existing clients. Um, So the unique thing about Construction Boss is it's built specifically for construction suppliers. Um, We're partnered up with a company called CIS, which uh, they supply construction project information to um, the construction industry. So if you think about a construction project and the amount of different things that are needed to build a construction site or a construction um, development, you've got pipes, you've got kind of windows, doors, walls, carpeting. Uh, So we're targeting the suppliers and we're giving them the opportunity to kind of quote uh, for those construction projects. Very good. And we're going to go back and actually break down what that is um, because you're, I suppose, officially still a startup, yet yeah. you've made amazing progress over the last 12 months. So we're definitely going to kind of go back over that. But just to to pick up on a few things that you've mentioned there, when you told me this was a CRM system and then mm. you described what it did, mm. my initial thought was, would we describe that as CRM? And so what I might, what I'd like you to do is maybe explain how exactly your product works because you mentioned their CIS which of course is construction mm. information services I don't think there will be anybody listening in who um, if not a subscriber who would, wouldn't be aware of what that is and, and the wall of very valuable data but mm. the huge quantity of data that's available so you might just talk to us about what role uh, Construction Boss plays yeah, in that? I suppose when you look at the amount of data that you get, you can have anywhere from kind of 50,000 to 100,000 construction projects coming through and there are too many com- construction projects to kind of manage. So what we're able to do is we're able to filter the data so that um, it's better fitted for the client. So if they want uh, something over a certain value, if they want something that's a certain stage of a construction project, or if they want uh, certain construction projects to go to certain sales reps on the sales team, we can kind of make that happen. So that's very much the beginning step of what Construction Boss is. And it's kind of how we get our foot in the door. And then we have a full operating CRM after that. So basically you can convert a construction project into an opportunity, start working through your pipeline, your sales stages, eventually getting to the stage where you actually quote and invoice a customer. Okay, and your construction boss, which obviously you founded, um, it has only been in existence for 12 months, thereabouts? Yeah, so we founded the company in January 2018. Uh, Heading for 18 months. Yeah, so, and we kind of, we started the company uh, basically we got CSF funding uh, from Enterprise Ireland, uh, so we raised fifty thousand, and that was kind of our opportunity to kind of grow the business. So I kind of I took a a bit of a gamble and uh, decided to really go for it. Uh, we were lucky enough to get two clients on board at an early stage, um, and they were happy to kind of pilot the the product for us. So had you the the product built out at this stage? Yeah, we we, we had a bit we had it built out for a while. We just were we weren't sure how we were going to actually. How did go you fund the build out? Uh, through through just sweat. <laughs> okay. So working late in the afternoons. Uh, we, we right. So by the time you got the Enterprise Ireland CSF fund, yeah. Um, 
you were able to that didn't need to go into development you were actually able to go out and look for trial or pilot projects exactly so 70% of the product was actually already done before we even got CSF funding that's a great position to be in when we went in and did the CSF pitch we were in a very strong position um I had a lot of experience of actually doing pitches like that as well. So uh, it was a matter of just putting a business plan together, getting the pitch right, getting the timing right, and making sure that the message was right for Enterprise Ireland. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of used that money to pay salaries uh, for kind of six months while we kind of piloted the the product for, for those two customers. Excellent. And one of the one of the things that I talk about here a lot when I'm interviewing prop tech uh, startups, particularly, is mm. you know getting those all important uh, early customers and and not just early paying customers, but actually initial trials, getting yeah. people to because this is such a busy industry. I don't think people realise that um, this is such a busy industry. It's very difficult to get people to take a chance on trialling your product, mm. even if they're not paying for it, purely because it will slow down their work processes. So um, how did the first two trials come about? So, I mean, like if you want to get out there and you want to talk to 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 potential trials uh, you need to just pick up the phone and you need Mm -hmm. to ring everyone you can you need to email everyone you can use the contacts that you have Um, I was lucky enough with one of our one of our clients um, that we had done work with them before uh, on kind of a separate on a separate uh, project and I kind of pitched the idea to them and they were like that sounds really good we're looking for something like that Mm -hmm. Um, so let's give it a go and that kind of grew from 10 users using it to kind of 50 now. So it's a job that's worth... Was that in, in one organisation? That was in one organisation. And that was one of your early trials? One of our early trials and one of and our biggest client at the moment as well. well that, now, that's an interesting one. Mm. So ca- can I ask, was that a paid trial? It was a paid trial. Okay. Uh, don't do anything ever for free. <laughs> <laughs> OK, that's good advice for all yeah. of our startups. Um, but the, now... Uh, you've actually brought up an interesting dilemma here that mm. is um, when you're going out trialling a product generally yeah. that's done uh, initially mm-hmm. certainly if not done for free then it's certainly done at discounted rates yeah. um, so there, there's a belief in certain quarters and I would probably fall into this camp as well that um, you don't want to get your best target customers in that trial because it's very difficult then to transition to the appropriate fees and the appropriate service offering. So throughout the trial and when it was successful and grew from 10 users within the organisation to 50 using Mm. it, did you have an issue in either extending the range of services or um, maybe putting your fees on a more reasonable or sustainable base? Yeah, so no, we signed an agreement where the fees would be a certain price for a certain amount of time and then they would go up to the full price eventually. Okay. Um, so if they're still happy and they're still using the product for after the, the, the discounted rate is over, then they're going to be they're, they're going to be happy with with paying the extra price. Okay. And they'll see the value in it. And now, you know, 18 months from concept stage, yeah. um, Obviously, you're in the marketplace and you're delivering mm-hmm. uh, in Ireland and the UK. Yeah. Rough, uh, roughly, can you tell us how many clients? So we have 16 clients at the moment. So basically getting a new client every month. That's without doing kind of any outbound marketing. Um, we kind of last year, uh, there was only two of us in the company, myself and Conan. 
uh, and we were very much just trying to keep up with the work that we had at the moment and we were just taking in the leads as they came in and doing projects uh, which was great uh, but it came to a stage where we actually saw a lot of potential to grow kind of at a rap- at, at a, at a bigger scale and more rapidly uh, so that's when we actually went out and we tried to find a, an investor so I went around uh, talked to I'd say nearly every single VC Did you go back to Enterprise Ireland uh, at I, that stage? I didn't go back to Enterprise Ireland well we were already at the a high potential startup so they knew that we would be looking for investment at, at, at a certain period we didn't go back to them yet uh, We went. I went out and I started talking to VCs I got ripped to shreds uh, by pretty much all of them That's a rite uh, of passage yeah, Congratulations So, so that it's hard so like yeah. the, the, these things it's it's all practice with, with talking so like don't get disheartened if you actually go out there and you're trying to look for money because it's usually their the ticket size doesn't fit them or they don't understand the business or they actually don't have the money to actually invest you at the time which is quite evidence but um we were lucky enough to get an angel investor on board um, who is from the construction industry um, so that he kind of understood our product and he understand, understood the need and he saw kind of the global potential for it as well. Okay, and in addition to um, in addition to the funding yeah. that he brought, um, and by the way, you did say it was he, didn't yeah. you? Um, that doesn't surprise me at all. In fact, one of the things that we've seen and we've spoken about regularly here is that apart from the fact of funding, mm. the, the private funding in terms of VC, and angel investment network in Ireland you know really isn't great and the appetite for risk is really quite low so Mm. um, it's not a great funding ecosystem here however for the prop tech sector one thing that we've seen is almost all of the investment that has gone into prop tech startups outside of Enterprise Ireland um, has been from the construction sector so effectively we have people who understand the industry who Mm. understand the the industry market dynamics and they're the people who are investing and I always think that's really interesting it's telling because they they understand so did your angel investor bring um, an element of mentoring or expertise or more importantly did they, did they bring an order with them yeah no he, he brought contacts which was probably the most important thing there's nothing mm-hmm. better than actually getting an investor on board and then his, the first thing he does is bring a client on board for you as well so that that that's that's fantastic but um yeah definitely a lot of mentoring as well like he'd be strong on the finance side where i would kind of be weak um so he's able to help out with a lot of that stuff that's a really nice opportunity there yeah. and you know thank you by the way for sharing and being so forthcoming because these are exactly the kind of things that we want prop tech startups to hear it's exactly yeah. what we want them to know because in fact um, this comes after quite a positive week because we know that there have been two other uh, successful prop tech um, funding announcements over the last week mm. and in Ireland you know it, it is a small it is a small and and very very small emerging sector so it's great when we see funding coming in and it's interesting to see that consistently even as the profile of the prop tech sector grows it's interesting to see that consistently the funding is coming from members of the industry yeah um, and in fact one of the things we've seen over the last couple of weeks or well last couple of months really is that um in Germany and in the UK there were two prop tech venture capitalist funds starting up um, and they're harnessing all of this expertise just to be able to mm. fund the just to be able to fund um, the 
innovation for the planning, construction and property sector. So I'm hoping this is a positive and it's something that we would definitely like to see in Ireland. Um, we, we can see there's a market for it. So that's that's putting you in a very strong position just 18 months in. Yeah. So what's next? Sorry. Yeah, I suppose at the moment, uh, because we just closed our seed round uh, Close back in March, I'd say we were just taking on taking on new employees and kind of training them in and showing them the ropes. So, uh, which is obviously quite hard, making sure you find the right people at uh, at the beginning uh, stages of a business because they're very much you want them to be your pillars. Um, so, uh, obviously, I'm I'm very lucky that the people that I've employed so far have been fantastic, and they just have kind of, all of have all of your hires um, worked out so far. Yeah, everything has been extremely seamless and uh, everyone's getting gr- getting on great and there's a good buzz at the moment which is great. So Very um, good. That's what we're kind of working on at the moment. Uh, primarily what the business plan is is to focus on the the UK market. Um that's where that's where the most value is. Uh, obviously we're going to still focus on the Irish market as well, but it, it's very small in comparison to what we could be getting to over in the UK. Mm-hmm. And then on 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 a global scale, the plan is to go and grow internationally in the uh, kind of American, Australian, Canadian kind of English speaking markets. Mm-hmm. And the way that we would do that is we would find other construction data providers like what we've done in Ireland and the UK and we would uh, partner up with them. Mm-hmm. And that will give us an initial route to market to get into that country and hopefully get a few clients on board. And then after that, we can start pumping money into marketing and growing organically in the country. Okay, that's um, that seems like a very uh, realistic yeah. rollout plan. And in fact, one of the things that you might have heard earlier that, you know, we were just talking about how in the context of the construction sector that we know construction activity is starting to slow. We know that's a global mm. trend. It's not just an Irish issue. Um but as that happens, as uh, business development is going to become an awful lot more important. So do you think that this is a good time for you to be going into businesses who are trying to sell into the construction industry? Is this a good time to be targeting those? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like not in the summer, because for, for, for me, it's, it's, it's anyone that sells software will know it's really, really hard to sell software during the summer because decision makers are always away at this time and it's impossible to get everyone around the table at the same time. So during the summer, no. But yes, there 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 is a, a huge opportunity for anyone selling to uh especially construction suppliers because they are quite far behind and on digital transition. Very good. And um, look, that's something that we've addressed here. We address yeah. here every week. And I do feel that that's that gap is um, starting to narrow, actually. And in fact, mm. you know, a couple of years ago, we were saying that, you know, the prop tech sector was taking off and, and starting to embrace. But actually, what we've seen is the construction sector has moved to embrace new and emerging technologies yeah. at a much faster pace. Um, so it, it will be interesting to watch this unfold. Um, uh, Craig, you might just tell us, uh, tell people how they can contact you. Yeah, so if you want to reach out, uh, my email is craig at constructionboss.com. So Construction Boss is with one S, so the boss stands for Business Operating System. And uh, I'm happy to take an email from anyone. So. That's Thanks. excellent. Thank you. Um, so thank you so much for joining us. That was Craig Mulcahy, CEO of Construction Boss. And that's it from us in studio today. Thank you for joining us on Property Matters, the show where 
Property Matters. Get in touch with the show by emailing hello at iPropertyRadio.com or on Twitter at iPropertyRadio. Um, I want to thank all of our guests for joining us in studio today and also thanks to Shane Flynn who is on sound and producer Katie Tallon. We're back at the same time next week. Stay tuned for Bowl of Soul which is coming up next and we're very much looking forward to having Brian Fox back with us next week. From um, myself, Carol Tallon, have a great week. 